No! No! It's okay, bud. Take it easy. What happened? You were dead. And you brought me back? Yeah, man. The cleric just left. Oh, it would have been nice if you asked. Asked to bring you back to life? Yes! I was having a great time! Where? In hell. The third layer. You know, Menorahs, the swamp, so full of disease and despair. It was awesome. Oh, nice. I heard Archduke Mammon rules the place like his own personal playground, coaxing weak humans into servitude and exploiting them. Oh, I was exploited so much. Wanna go back? Really? Wait, can you do the episode without me? Yeah, I've been injecting myself with Kenku blood to learn how to mimic. See? Hey, I'm Garen. I got big ears and a fundamental lack of understanding for how great rogues are. Wow, that's great. So you're good to die. Thanks, bud. Um, you mind just chopping my head off? Yeah, I mean, it'll probably take me a few swings. Yeah, that's all right. The anguish will be a nice appetizer for returning to hell. Tell Mammon I said to save me a spot. Can do. Cool, now time for the theme song. Let's see. Ah, we haven't used this Casio keyboard yet. Garen, you ready? It's about to drop. Do it. Dungeons and Dragons. Dan here. I started out in 5e. And me? I was sitting behind the DM screen. Yeah, that was three short years ago. I built a dragonborn fighter with no gusto. Fast forward a year. We're buying supplements and copping brand new gear. Incessantly making characters for one another. The only one who cared, of course, was our brother. Building new characters, score them all day. Each and every week, a brand new baby. How's their melee? How's their range? How's their magic? How controlling? How to range? That's not a category. Just keep going. Uh, I think we were here? Grab a comfy chair and a glass of mead. Another fresh episode in your feed. Other podcasts can be kind of drab. This ain't one, it's the Character Lab. And welcome to the D&D Character Lab, the show based around the one thing we as players cannot resist. And that is compulsively creating characters and daydreaming about their validity in-game. Each week, we're bringing a new character to the table, drawing from a plethora of published content, and scoring against a predefined table of criteria. It is then up to us to use our own personal charisma modifiers to convince the other that our baby is better. Hey, I'm Garen. And I'm crowd favorite Dan, and this week, we get friendly with another Labby Award winner that really stands out from the crowd with his pay-what-you-want content. Clancrafter Halding won our Pay What You Want category last year with Volo's Complete Subrace Handbook, and now he's back with Mordenkainen's Codex of Allies. And Garen, I don't know about you, but uh, I have uh, I have my first one on the list for Pay What You Want content for 2019 potential Labby Award winners with this specific supplement. It has over 30 subraces from all of the standard classics, and the only problem is you and I had to decide on just one. I know. Dude, this book is fantastic. Honestly... I picked the first one I read because CC Heralding hit me right where it counts. Right in the squishy bits? So squish. But let's hear your backstory first. Go ahead, Dan. All right. Well, I have to admit, I didn't just choose one. Let me introduce you to Kotoral. Dwelling in the dark caves within the cloud peaks in the south of the Sword Coast, are a flock of highly elusive mythical druid Kenku named the Twilight Walkers. These Kenku are rumored to be able to channel the power of both life and death within nature. They harness powerful skills in medicine and nature, but are not willing to share these powers with others. In fact, 
Those that have attempted to understand the secrets of the Twilight Walkers met their fate through powerful magic and were even rumored to have turned into rotting tree roots in the nearby snake room. Because these druidic Kenku stay mostly to themselves, it is not uncommon for their own families to disband when they are young and are no longer dependent on them for food. Kodoral, a 24-year-old Twilight Walker Kenku, was abandoned by his mother and father at the young age of two. Fending for himself ever since, Kodoral has been exploring the healing powers of his people through various utterances in druidic he will hear in passing, or ceremonies he's witnessed being performed on the injured after intruders had made their way into their caves. After some time though, he wanted more power, and he felt that he was limited in the potency of magic he could perform. He had heard of Twilight Walkers enhancing their abilities through divine powers, but Kodoral did not much wish to get involved in that. He left the caverns within the Cloud Peaks, determined to find a way to become more powerful. Walking for months without so much as a twinkle of prestidigitation, Kodoral stopped for the evening in a familiar dwelling within the cave in a dark hold. While sleeping in there, he heard a secretive whisper. Though it sent a chill down his avian spine initially, it eventually brought him a strange sense of comfort as a whirling, hypnotic sphere appeared before him and offered him visions of powerful medicinal magic as well as protective magic that could keep him safe while he trudged the Sword Coast alone. Though much of these whispers and visions made little sense to him, Kodoral was in a daze. Entranced and enthralled with the visions of what could be, he feverishly asked who was responsible for this. Sirik, the voice whispered. From that day forward, Kodoral devoted his every day to Sirik, spending months tirelessly building a makeshift chapel out of tree branches and whatever else he could find, all the while becoming fluent in the whispers of the god Sirik himself, as they were being shared with him during his quiet time of prayer and dedication. What resulted was an ability for Kotoral to read and cause an apparent form of madness in those that crossed him. Employing several deceptive traits in order to keep himself safe and protect the Chapel of Sirik, Kotoral had seemingly fulfilled his desire to maximize his druidic abilities with his newfound knowledge from Sirik, the Lord of Three Crowns, the Mad God, the Prince of Lies. Kodoral is a level 8 Kenku Cleric of the Madness Domain, level 2 Circle of Twilight Druid with the Hermit background. Uh, both of the archetypes I'm featuring today can be found in Morden Kanan's Codex of Allies by Clancrafter Halding, which, as we mentioned, has 30 archetypes available for pay what you want on DM's Guild. Do not think. Go download it right now. Nice backstory. I, that was a really good blend of class justification for if you were multi-classing in the game. I was silently screaming because you never pledge yourself to Sirik. He is known as the Deceiver. And if a god whispers to you about devoting your life to him, I mean, that's a bad start. Yeah, but those visions, though. If only his parents hadn't died, someone would have taught him how to look out for a bad guy. We'll, we'll get into it in a bit, but an intelligence of 12, only slightly smarter than the average bear. Happy to hear about your Kenku friend, but let me tell you about my boy. A hundred years ago, a collective of bugbears, elves, tabaxi, and humans came together with a joined focus and promptly disappeared into the Myalis forest. With their intentions and current whereabouts a complete unknown to the outside world, the same can't be said for the reverse. This collective was dead set on breaking down barriers established between race, class, religion, and finding a new communal understanding of life and prosperity. 
Their choice to hide in the forest required a plan to maintain themselves and establish a balance between surviving and thriving without the benefit of trade. What they stumbled on were a series of methods that they could use to hunt and forage on a level previously unknown to humanoids. They tapped into the very essence of the primal world and became one with the plants and animals around them. This proved useful not only for gathering food, but also for sending envoys out into the world to gather information on the current societal standing and how it compared to their experimental society within Myelis. Orange Leaf was a young bugbear with that specific task. He left his home where he was raised by his bugbear mom and elf second father, not stepfather, but rather another father figure that took his biological father's place after a rash of disease took him away some years back. I mean, they're very super progressive while also not stepping on the bond between blood father and son. Orange Leaf just loves them all equally, okay? Anyway, Orange Leaf travels through the outskirts of the Myalis forest on a peaceful reconnaissance mission, but that goes awry when he realizes he's being followed by a young tabaxi girl, Tika. She's always looked up to him, but both as a big brother and possible mate one day. I mean, it's a close community, so deal with it. Orange Leaf does not turn away Tika, but after their first camp together that night, he's horrified to find her kidnapped in the night by raiding humans while he was out taking a leap while on watch. Now Orange Leaf must save his little sister slash maybe future wife and deliver justice to these foul humans. So I bring to you Orange Leaf, a level 10 conclave of the Warden Ranger. He is the spy background and he is a chameleon bugbear, which I took from Volo's Complete Subrace Handbook, of course. Very appropriate. Uh, I like your little uh, experimental society. It sounds very progressive, and I think we could all take a page out of that book. Yes, it is very much like the village from M. Night Shyamalan. And as we all know, nothing bad happened in that movie, so let's move on. All right, so intros are out of the way. Now on to Garen's carefully crafted joke to lead into our Cantrip Candle commercial. Wrong and wronger, my boy Dan. We would like to thank Cantrip Candles from the bottom of our hearts for their incredible 14 months of partnership. Guys, you've heard us do this commercial before. Their candle products are top-notch. They also put out beautiful other products. And if you want to use our Lab Rat coupon code, it'll still be valid until April 30th. They remain a great friend in the community, and we hope we have helped them in some small way along this journey. But starting this week, we are proud to announce we are working with Tabletop Loot. Tabletop Loot is full of great products and even more heart. Their store has shirts, mugs, tote bags, and hordes and hordes of dice. What really makes this place special is they regularly support gaming and schools by having sales where every dice set purchase means one will be donated to a school gaming program. And what's more, their dice selection just can't be beat. Now, we don't have time to list all of them this week, so I'm going to highlight one that I think I would use when playing Orange Leaf. Fey Moss is predominantly green with very subtle hints of pink, orange, and blue throughout, and I think it brings to life my character that spends his days, nights, and weekends traveling through the wood. So when you click on the link in our show notes to get a set of dice for your next character, use the code LABRAT to get 15% off your total purchase. Now this will work on anything on their site except the metal dice from Norse Foundry, although those are beautiful. So go grab yourself some fresh loot and give Boring the boot. Thank you, Garen and Tabletop Loot, for that message. And welcome aboard as partners. 
Now, for those of you that tried to guess Garen's color of dice for Orange Leaf, you were dead wrong because I was guessing Orange too. So, if you're now just joining us for the first time, I will explain the show's format. If you aren't, go ahead and skip ahead about 20 seconds or just stop listening to us altogether because you have no patience. We have nine categories that we've prepared arguments for, and in each of those, we'll state why our character deserves a score between negative two and positive two. A positive two is scoring some fresh new dice from tabletop loot, and a negative two is sporting those old dice from 1984. Finally, once per show, each of us will be able to force the other to roll for the score in which we're arguing for as a charisma save using the charisma score of our character, and then at the end, whoever has the most points wins. Now, before we get started in the melee category, Garen, last week's episode, you know, we had a couple of whiskeys prior to it, and I gotta say, it helped loosen us up a little bit, it helped the flow of the show, everything went very smoothly, as I'm sure our listeners can agree, so I figured let's pour another drink for today. Okay, I'm down with the drink, what do you got? I'm just gonna mix up a little cocktail here. Okay, why is the mortar and pestle necessary for just making a cocktail? Mashing up some herbs, it's just for the essence, you know, more for show than anything else. Okay, and there you go. Drink up. That's house made. Okay. Cheers to another fantastic episode. Hmm. All right. So, while you wash that down, I'll go ahead and start us off in the melee category. Uh, nothing much to talk about here. I'm arguing a zero. Got a mace with a plus four to hit. Deals out 1d6 bludgeoning damage, but... I do have a feature of the Circle of Twilight Druid that's available at second level, and it gives a number of d8s equal to your druid level, and for me this would be two, that you can use after casting a druid spell, making a weapon attack, or attacking while in your wild shape to add damage to the attack. So on this mace attack, I could do a maximum of 22 damage with this feature, uh, but it does recharge after a long rest. So I'm arguing to zero with a mace and, and that Scythe of the Harvest feature from Circle of Twilight Druids. 22 is actually pretty impressive considering what I'm looking at here. So I will absolutely accept your zero. Whoa, uh, <laughs> strong drink. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm going to be pushing for that plus one because I have got, as you of course know, surprise attack damage as being a bugbear. I've also got two regular attacks as a ranger. I am using a short sword with a plus seven to hit, only a 1d6 plus three, but... I have two short swords at the same time, so I can make a second attack with my bonus action. And as a warden ranger, I have access to these primal shifts. And I can use these once per short rest at my current level. You get an additional one at a higher level. I can use it as a bonus action to shift. And it lasts for one minute. And I have access to four different animal forms. And the one I'm going to be using for the melee category is the Relentless Panther. While I'm shifted into the Panther, my jump height and distance are doubled. Which, of course, doesn't exactly count into this, except when you know that if I jump at least 10 feet towards a target, I can use a bonus action to bite them. And my bite attack is a 1d6 plus my strength or dex, which are both a plus three. So I've got some pretty good options here. I'm pushing for that. Uh, excuse me. Whoa. Uh, a plus one. I really like the imagery here of a bugbear just wiling out and, and jumping at their foe. Fangs just stringing with saliva and making a bite attack with that beautiful jumping feature. But I fear this really isn't much more than what I'm bringing to the table with a mace. Uh, I think you're more a zero as well. Okay. 
Uh, yeah, I will. Like I said, I'll I'll take a zero. Yep, that's what you said. So moving into ranged, why don't you tell us what your bugbear brings in that category? Well, I took the archery fighting style, so I got a plus nine to hit, one d eight plus three damage on that longbow, two attacks. Just because I know this is going to be better than you, I'm pushing for a plus one. Yeah, you're going to go ahead and get that plus one because I have a crossbow with a plus six to hit, one d eight plus two piercing. And only one attack is it? It's just a one attack for your guy. It is. It's one attack. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Wait, what did you say? A zero? Yeah. Did you? Did you say a zero? But it's just the one attack, so it's probably a minus one. Ah. Oh. You almost got me on that, but this is a minus I one. I tried to slip it past you. All right. Now I'll make the drink a little stronger next time. Burninating, here's where Coderol really shines, okay? Plus two, got Inflict Wounds, Infestation, Thunder Wave, Dissonant Whispers, Phantasmal Force. But I also have Potent Spellcasting, which is an eighth level ability of the Madness Domain. It allows me to add my Wisdom Modifier, which is a plus four, to any damage dealt by a Cleric Cantrip, which in my case would be Sacred Flame, Toll the Dead, or Word of Radiance. Wow. Argon a plus two. Oof. 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 Okay. I may make you roll, but I'm going to put mine out there first, and we'll see how this goes. I have got Zephyr Strike, which is such a good ranger spell. I don't see how you could not take Zephyr Strike. I have also got Lightning Arrow, which triggers on an arrow attack, and it deals additional lightning damage to the target and targets in the area. I have also got the Swamp Serpent Primal Shift, which is a shift that allows me to deal an additional 1d8 poison damage on my first attack per my turn so this is sustained magic damage for one minute which is effectively one entire combat you know you can't lose your concentration on this and while it's only once per short rest that's also dealing magic damage starting at third level which i think increases the value of this ability because there's not a lot of people that have sustained magic damage at third level okay all right fair point so i am pushing for a plus one because it's not a long list but i think it is a very very capable list I'm actually going to push the roll here. You're going to push the roll on me. Well, then I will push the roll on you, and we will both be rolling. So what's your charisma first? 14, plus two modifier. Mm. I have a charisma of eight. Ooh. So I need a 16 or better. I rolled a 15. I rolled a 12. So plus two for me, zero for you. Moving into control. Whoa, 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 hold on, hold on. Whoa, uh, uh, I, I can't see for a moment. I, my eyes, <laughs> completely black. Um... Is it my turn? It is in the control category. Is uh, everything okay? You're acting really funny. I'll just remember what it said. Just keep rolling. Don't edit this out. Um, okay, so I can conjure animals, which fills the battlefield with, you know, cats and causes havoc if I want to. I mean, that's a different way of controlling. I've also got the natural explorer as being a ranger and the land stride as being a ranger. And as a chameleon bugbear, I have got color shift now color shift if i have moved zero feet in a turn as a bonus action i can alter my colors to blend in with my surroundings so as long as i remain in place or move slower than half of my walking speed i then get advantage on stealth checks in order to hide but i've also got hide in plain sight as a ranger so i mean the chameleon bugbear was meant to be a ranger obviously and finally it's starting to come back a little bit yes the thunder ram Thunder Ram is another shift where it increases my walking speed by 10 feet and I ignore difficult terrain. Also, when I hit a creature with a melee attack, they must succeed on a strength save or be pushed 10 feet away from me. There's no limit on that, so I could just be knocking guys away because, as I said, I have got two melee weapons. Quite impressive. 
What are you arguing? I'm going to go for a plus two on this one. Well, I will use the classic line and say I, I do not think you'll get a plus two, and I'm going to tell you why. Uh-oh. The Madness Domain gives me access to Cause Fear, Enemies Abound, Fear, Confusion, Hallucinatory Terrain, and Crown of Madness, which are not typically cleric domain spells. I also have an ability at second level for this Madness Domain called Cultist Chant, which each creature of your choice that can hear you within 30 feet must succeed on a wisdom saving throw against your spell save DC or be charmed by you. This effect ends on a target after one minute if it takes any damage if you attack it or if it witnesses you attacking or damaging any of its allies. I also have a channel divinity called Read Thoughts, which is a six-level feature of the Madness Domain, and as an action, it allows me to choose a creature that I can see within 60 feet. That creature has to make a wisdom saving throw against my spell save DC, which I did not mention is a 16, and if the creature succeeds on the saving throw, you can't use this feature again until you finish a long rest, but if it fails, you can read its surface thoughts, those foremost on its mind reflecting its current emotions and what it's actively thinking about when it is within that 60-foot range. Now, this effect lasts for an entire minute, and during that time, you can use your action to end the effect and cast the suggestion spell on the creature without expending a spell slot, and the creature automatically fails its saving throw against that spell. Bring those thoughts to the forefront, and then go ahead and cast suggestion on an automatic fail for that target. And then, of course, as a Kenku, I have Expert Forgery. Thinking this is a strong plus two. You know, Dan, I'm going to say that that was one of your most interesting lists. I've ever heard. The Madness Domain, I mean, that's giving you a lot to work with and play with people's minds. I have no problems with this plus two. This is a really strong category for you. Right, hold on, I need a drink. I, my, my head is really swimming. Mm. I almost feel like another uh, another random, uh, you know, D100 thing is going to happen to me all of a sudden. I'm just like, a, and i like, oh man, and I, like I got a one and, oh, look at all the keys on this keyboard. These are fantastic. One, two, three, four, five, six. So, you know, so anyways, many... moving into tankiness. Um, so perfectly Argonaut... squared, too. Yeah, Argon a plus two here. You just keep counting. I have an AC of 18 Eight, with 90 two, HP. Two. I'm also able to wild shape into any CR one quarter creature. So though that's not incredibly impressive, I think the AC of 18 and 90 HP and the ability to wild shape twice per long rest gives me that plus two. Did you ever notice the enter was shaped like a real fat little L? This is much worse than I thought. Uh, will you be able to argue and take us And there's some tankiness? rectangles here, too. Uh, so, yeah, great tankiness category. Mine is, you know, it's it's okay if we're being honest. Are we being honest? I'm being honest. I've got 110 HP and an armor class of 14. I also took the, you ready for this, Dan? I took the antibody feat. Do you remember this one? This is from Microbes of Malice. If you pass a successful DC-10 con save, it'll cure any disease you're currently infected with. And if you pass a successful DC-15 con save on an ally, you will cure any disease they're infected with. I am immune to disease, and I can cure my allies of disease. Also, I have got my last primal shift, which is the Winter Wolf. When I turn myself into a Winter Wolf, I have a 10-foot radius around me that becomes difficult terrain and as an action i can grant myself temporary hit points equal to twice my ranger level which is of course 20 hit points right now and the difficult terrain around me increases to 20 feet so i'm basically encasing myself in ice now i can take no actions or move the only thing i can do is end that as a bonus action which will eliminate the temporary hp but that is a great way to give myself some much needed tankiness if i'm at you know, one hit point left, and I just got to get through the round. So I think that's a pretty solid round for me. And you're arguing A? I'm going to take a one. Okay, you take a one, I take a two, 
I also think you should take this glass of honey. Sorry, man, that's all that was in the alchemy jug. Gallon of honey, but... Drink, drink up. So hard to swallow. Take us into ally assist. Well, I can cast a non-detection, which will allow my allies to not be detected by clairvoyant spells. I can also speak with animals, as I am a wild defender, a part of my warden's conclave. And I've got a spell that I like to call Best Berry. I like to call it Best Berry. I mean, everybody else might just call it Good Berry, but I mean, I think we got to be real here. I'm arguing a zero for ally assist. This is not a strong category for me, but I got a couple things. Yeah, yeah, you get a zero. I, there's nothing objectionable there. Goodberry can, you know, satiate at best. Dan, I know my category wasn't strong, and I'm sure you've got something really nice because you are a cleric and a druid. So before you take it away, let me talk quickly to our listeners because allies are everything both on and off the table. And this week, we want to talk about a great ally of ours in this community, and that is the Actual Play Podcast. Adventures in Irelia. Now, this is our lab's job board for the week where we want to highlight one of the fun actual plays out there. And they actually have a special message that they have prepared just for you guys. So take it away, Adventures. Adventures in Irelia, a D&D podcast with new players to learn alongside. Adventures in Irelia, a D&D podcast where everyone has a good time. Adventures in Irelia, a D&D podcast that is casual and inclusive. Adventures in Irelia, a D&D podcast with lots of lore and creativity. Adventures in Irelia, a podcast where five friends sit around the table and record themselves playing Dungeons and Dragons. Find us at adventuresinirelia.com. That's E-R-Y-L-I-A. Well, thank you so much for that message, Adventures in Irelia. Make sure to check them out on whatever you listen to your podcasts on. And I will take us away in Ally Assist here. I'm arguing a plus two. I've got Revivify. What better than Revivify? Spare the Dying, which was actually afforded to me by the Circle of Twilight, which is uh, pretty neat. Resistance. And I also have that Scythe of Harvest that I mentioned earlier. The D8 pool that I talked about, if you kill an enemy or an ally within 30 feet, you can regain 2 HP per die use. So if I used my mace and expended both of those die and that actually fell the foe that I was fighting, I would regain 4 HP, but then I could choose an ally within 30 feet and they would regain 4 temporary hit points. Would you stop it with these strong categories? <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Continue your thoughts. I'm sure you have a, a much more to tell us. You do know that's not cereal. That's Max's dog food. This is delicious. I like the light brown ones. They taste like salmon. Moving into balance. I love it when you call me Sam Papa. Throw your sand in the air if you a true player. So he has low strength. Not really that great outside of spell casting for damage dealing, but Pretty good AC and decent HP makeup for that, and there's no denying the control that this character brings to the table. Therefore, arguing a plus one, and here are the numbers. We've got a strength of 11, dex of 14, con of 12, intelligence of 12, wisdom of 18, charisma of 14, passive perception of 14, and proficiency in deception, insight, medicine, persuasion, religion, and stealth. What do you think about a plus one? I, you know, I, I'm going to be honest with you right now. I mean, I'm starting to feel like this is like, like you're out to get me with this build. I mean, you are, you're putting together something distinctly designed to tear me down this week. I mean, is that what, is that what all, after all this time together, like you just really want to, want to hundred percent just crush me under your heel? I mean, is that, is that what this is? I would never do that just this week. That's my goal every week. Tell me what you got. I, I just got done with it. You did? All right, my ability balance, real, real good. Strength of 16, dex of 16, con of 12, intelligence of 12, wisdom of 14, charisma of 8. Charisma is 
worthless. Who cares about talking to people, right? Deception of plus three, great number. Investigation of plus five, nature of plus five. Perception of plus six, six is a very suspicious looking number. Stealth of plus seven, survival of plus six. I think that this is a plus two because I don't care about charisma. And my opinion is what matters here. Well, I'm going to I'm going to argue a plus 1 cuz you're kind of weak in one category like I am. What do you think? I I think you're weak all over. Everything about you is weak. You got weak skin. You just your skin is thin like a like a tortoise baby. I didn't think that catnip would have an effect on human beings. Anyway, plus 1, yeah? Plus yeah. 1. Let me read to you our charisma scenario submitted by our buddy Gabe from Interparty Conflict. You've been cast in a stage production of Hamlet, which is, of course, your favorite play by William Greatspear. After weeks of rehearsals, you're in the middle of a dramatic scene. When disaster strikes, you realize you've forgotten your lines. How do you save face in front of a live audience? Well, that's a good question. So, Garen, how does your bugbear save face? Okay. So with a minus one to performance, this play is already going pretty poorly. So I improvise something about needing my horse, and I cast Fine Steed. So naturally, a horse just trots up onto the stage. I then cast Speak with Animals That's and whisper something to the not horse. not how that spell works. And then I cast Animal Messenger, and I send him away. Then I use my Chameleon Tongue feature, which is a lot like the Loxodon Trunk. I can carry and manipulate things up to five pounds with my tongue, but I can't attack with it. So I use this to dazzle the crowd until the horse comes back with a local fire marshal to shut down the play for overcapacity. Plus two. <laughs> By no means is that a plus two. I do like I do like the, the tricks with the tongue, so I'll give you something for that, but you didn't use fine steed correctly at all. That's how Animal it works. Messenger. You cast fine steed and the horse just shows up. Zero. Zero? You were entertained. It's very contingent on an incorrectly used spell. I'm arguing a plus one. I would definitely position my body behind one of my fellow co-stars on stage, and I would use mimicry to emulate their voice and say, Oh, God, I forgot my lines. And then I would say in my voice, It's fine, it's fine, Just let's just pick it up from... And then I would mention the next part of the show that I do remember. I would then pretend to do it subtly but loud enough so that the la- audience could hear that I was clearly not the one at fault here. Plus one. Okay, that's smooth, except for the part where your face goes blank because you realize you forgot your lines, and then you just step behind your co-star and then come back out again. I would do it coyly, like, come on, come on. Like, I would step behind her like I'm trying to whisper in her ear, but then I would just mimic her voice. What's your sleight of body? I got a, I got a plus two to sleight of hand, but plus six to persuasion. Plus mm. six to deception. Plus one's all around. So here's the spitting fire part. Later on in the play, disaster strikes again, and you've once again forgotten your role. However, this time, it's in the middle of a bombastic fight scene. How do you improvise this stage fight? Yeah, so this part, I'm arguing a zero, because I know this is weak, but fearing for my own safety, because I'm confused, again, I would probably cast Crown of Madness on the nearest (laughs) actor. That was my quote-unquote combatant. Uh, I would then have them attack their ally and cast infestation on that actor, causing insects to billow out from its mouth and eyes, uh, where the actor inflicted with madness beat his insect-ridden corpse to a pulp. I think the rest of the actors would then flee in horror, and I would stand triumphant on stage, casting suggestion to the stagehand to pull the curtain as I bowed. I may not have saved the play, but at least I win. Zero. 
That is dark. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of crown of madness, though. Also, you're assuming that this is like a group fight scene and not a one-on-one duel like most plays have. I use my color shift to blend into the scenery, and then with a plus seven to my stealth, with advantage around my scene partner, I sneak, and then I shift into my thunder ram form, and I surprise attack him as a bugbear, and hit him from behind, which deals extra damage and sends him flying ten feet off stage. So I declare victory, bow, close the curtains, I win. I like how we both end with I win. (laughs) So yours is better than mine, I'll give you that. So I think it's a plus one. I think we both missed the mark though. Nothing is plus two worthy here. So I get a plus two and you get a zero. So Dan, we are at the end of the episode. Shut up, I'm I'm talking to Dan. Stephen Colbert, hit the illuminated pinwheel. Oh. So Garen, I think you may have felt the power of the domain of madness in this episode. How are you feeling? I am feeling very confused, very disoriented, and I am feeling like I nailed my role as crazy guy. And you know what? Thank you for casting Madness Domain on me. I don't think I could have done it though without the help of a surprise supplement that we included on this episode. Because ladies and gentlemen, my insanity was courtesy of our friend, Matthew Corley, who has created Lamps Light Sanitarium with optional sanity rules, ways to implement it into your game, and specific ways that your characters can go crazy. So if you want your character to act the way I did in this episode, what's that? You don't? I don't blame you, but he has plenty of other options. We've reached the end of the show. This is the part of the show we like to call the X Factor, which is pretty much, would you want to play this character or not? And you know what? Let me take it away. Let's start with the Madness Domain. They took the College of Whisperers bard, kind of, and made it clericable, which I love. And at 17th level, you actually become immune to psychic damage and the charmed and frightened condition. Additionally, if a creature tries to detect thoughts on you at that level, they take 3d8 psychic damage, but... This is actually balanced out by having you roll a madness roll on the uh, table in the Dungeon Master's Guide. I think it's page 260. But you have to take that effect as I have an incurable madness, which I love. Oh, yeah. Uh, And it's just a cleric that's devoted to a twisted deity, which I'm sure there are some out there. Uh, Also, Circle of Twilight Druid. Gives a nature spin on the Necromancer and has a lot of really cool abilities in there. And uh, finally, one other thing I wanted to comment on was that I always look at new monastic traditions in all the supplements that we feature. And this one has a really cool Way of the Nomad Monk. It's basically a teleportion and control-based monk, which I've already informed Garen uh, that I'm going to be making an appearance with this build in our next campaign because I just love the flavor and potential there. And uh, finally, in the right campaign, I would p- I would play Coderall, but I would let those druid levels mature a little bit as the game went on so I could unlock a bit more of that Circle of the Twilight necromancy good good. But love this supplement. As I mentioned, this is on my list for a labby for Pay What You Want in 2019. Garen, would you play your leaping bugbear? I sure would. I'm going to go on record and say that the... Warden Conclave Ranger is my all-time favorite ranger right now. I want to play this ranger the next chance I get. And the bugbear, chameleon especially, perfect fit for it. So Orange Leaf is a lot of fun. He does get an additional primal shift at a higher level. And one of his highest abilities is called Font of Resilience, where this is nice. He can repeat saving throws that he needs to make 
at the beginning of his turn and at the end. So he's getting an extra shot at a saving throw and he might be able to get rid of that negative effect before taking his action, which would be so huge in certain situations. So I'm very proud of Orange Leaf. I'm very happy with this build, but he did fall short seven points to nine points. Dan, you have won the Codex of Allies episode. Well, no surprise there. And uh, as we mentioned, this product is pay what you want, which means that you can go and download it for free, and then you should absolutely go back and tip Clan Crafter Heralding for his hard work on this supplement. Needless to say, as we say in most of our supplement uh, episodes, there's also some really great artwork in here. It's just better than a $0 supplement. So go download it, enjoy all the content, then go back and show your appreciation. And you may be wondering why he does this. We definitely were. So we actually reached out to Clan Crafter Heralding and spoke to him about his business model. And he told us that, unsurprisingly, he doesn't create this work for money. So more importantly, this project was meant to tackle unearthed arcana pieces that Wizards of the Coast had put out for playtesting, and then they chose to never revise those options for official publication. Yeah, and pieces that don't make the cut are left to rot, and if a player were to take the playtest material to their table, the DM might have a problem with the balance and just have to tweak it, or they might just scrap it all together. And Heralding had experienced this himself. You know, players would bring things to his table, and he would end up fixing it so it would be a properly balanced for the game so he decided to clean up all of this ua stuff and put out the material so other players didn't have to and that's what codex of allies is it's a great gift to us all because now players can enjoy it so thank you so much to clan crafter heralding for yet another amazing supplement and a final note you should absolutely read the disclaimer that he wrote on the title page and now that we've whetted your appetite for some great original content off dm's guild Come back next week as we have yet another amazing supplement, very special episode featuring David Adams' Black Powder Pirates. Not only will we be bringing the high seas pain, but our show format will be slightly altered and bring back the competition that you listeners have asked for. Until then, remember, when it comes to character creation, it doesn't have to be optimized. It just has to be fun. Have a great week, guys! We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Lab, and all episodes for that matter. Yeah, but if you left this episode just wanting more, you can join us on Patreon for tons of bonus content. At our lowest tier, you can join our Discord and participate in fan battles and have access to all PDF content that we post. You can even chat with us throughout the day. For just a little bit more, you get two bonus episodes a month and access to the entire backlog of fight clubs, monster labs, and special interviews that we've been pumping out since March of 2018. Patrons in the next tier get early access to our regular show, sometimes as much as nine days prior to release date. They also get PDFs of the character sheets for the characters that we've built in the 2019 episodes and beyond, and they can submit a smooth operator or spitting fire charisma scenario that we will use in each and every episode. And our top, top tier patrons get merch a couple times a year, have a chance to submit characters, and can sway the fates with automatic crits and fails on our charisma rolls during the show. At any level, we hope to bring you more fun. We love working on this show and the support of our patrons helps continue to make it better. If you're digging the new audio production that began in 2019, just know that it wouldn't be possible without those that already donate. And we have more plans to beef up the lab and we need your help to do it. But however you support us, we thank you. We hope to have you back next week. Head over to our Facebook and Twitter at DD Character Lab for some previews, of what to expect, and lots of links to other great community content. Until Wednesday, peace, love, and point by. Now, con checks aren't a thing, and I wish the people who wrote Microbes of Malice would know that.